Come, Holy Spirit, come by means of the powerful intercession of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the Holy Spirit, the Spouse, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. As I mentioned, this third Sunday of June is the day our nation celebrates Father's Day, honoring all fathers for the wonderful work they do in home, family, and communities. And on this Sunday, the Church celebrates externally, liturgically, the great feast, Corpus Christi, the feast in which we honor in a special way the body of Jesus in the Eucharist. That's what Corpus Christi means, the body of Christ. I like to, I like to think of this feast as a celebration of our faith, of our belief in this great mysterium fidei, this great mystery of our faith of the Holy Eucharist. And just consider this. As Christians, we are required to believe that the eternal Son of God, while remaining God, became man. The second person of the Trinity from all eternity had a divine nature, being one with the Father and the Holy Spirit, entered into time and took a human nature, uniting it to himself in the womb of the Virgin Mary by the power of the Holy Spirit. This God-man, Jesus Christ, suffered and died to pay the price for our sins. Some people have a hard time believing that, that God became man and did this. The rationalists so-called Age of Reason, uh, the Enlightenment, uh, which was really a dark time, if you, from a Catholic perspective, you know, they held this belief. Well, this mystery is difficult enough to believe. God became man, died on the cross, and rose from the dead. But as Catholics, we are required to believe, put our faith in what I think is a much more difficult mystery. That on the night before he died, Jesus took bread and wine and changed that bread and wine into his body and blood. He said the words, take and eat, this is my body, take and drink, this is my blood. Jesus commands us, it's the Gospel today, chapter 6 of John's Gospel, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood if you are to have life with you, within you, my life in you. And Jesus goes on to say that must eat my flesh and drink my blood in order to be raised up on the last day. It's evident from reading chapter 6 of John's Gospel, the second part of it at least, that this teaching was very difficult because this was the first time that Jesus' own disciples left him. They walked away from him. This was about six months before he died on the cross. This was the real test of who is to be a follower of Christ. Do you believe it when I'm telling you you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood? Most of his disciples walked away. Only the apostles were left. That's what St. John tells us. Well, as Catholics, we are required to believe that after the priest says the words of consecration, that the bread and wine are no longer bread and wine, but are changed into the body and blood of Christ. What we receive in Holy Communion still looks like bread, still tastes like bread, but it is no longer bread. It has undergone a miraculous change of substance through the power of Christ's Word spoken by the priest, acting in persona Christi, in the person of Christ. This is the 
miracle we call transubstantiation. Something I teach to all of our second graders preparing for their first Holy Communion. And the Church has always professed a belief in this great miracle of the Eucharist. And we can quote the words of saints down through the centuries as proof of this. I'll quote a couple here. One is the greatest catechist in the history of the Church, I think, fourth century bishop Cyril of Jerusalem. And he gave a catechesis to those preparing for their first Holy Communion. And after quoting the words of Jesus at the Last Supper, take and eat, this is my body, he says this, since Christ himself has declared the bread to be his body, who can have any further doubt? Since he himself has said quite categorically, this is my blood, who would dare to question it and say that it is not his blood? Therefore, it is with complete assurance that we receive the bread and wine as the body and blood of Christ. Having his body and blood in our bodies, we become bearers of Christ and sharers in the divine nature, as St. Peter tells us. Do not then, says St. Cyril, regard the Eucharistic elements as ordinary bread and wine. They are, in fact, the body and blood of the Lord, as he himself has declared. Whatever your senses may tell you, be strong in faith. You have been taught and you are firmly convinced that what looks and tastes like bread and wine is not bread and wine, but the body and blood of Christ. Here's another example. We move a thousand years forward to the 14th century. The great Dominican mystic, blessed Henry Suzo, in a Eucharistic meditation he penned, he placed these words on the lips of Jesus. No tongue has the power to explain how my body may be contained in the sacrament of the Eucharist. No sense can perceive it. No human reason can apprehend it but only faith can know it. For this is an operation only of divine power, and it is too great for your mind to grasp. You must therefore believe it in faith. Yes, this mystery of the Eucharist is too great for our little finite minds to grasp. We must believe it on faith. It is faith and faith alone which enables our minds to accept this great mystery presence of Christ's body and blood in the Eucharist, because this mystery even defies our senses. Our sight, our taste, our touch want to tell us that this is ordinary bread and wine, but our faith, which comes through hearing, enables us to believe that what we receive on the tongue is truly the living flesh and blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Holy Communion. How blessed are we to receive this gift, this pledge of our future resurrection. As St. Augustine says, God, in his omnipotence, could not give more. In his wisdom, he knew not how to give more. In his riches, he had not more to give than in the Eucharist. And there's yet another part of the great Eucharistic mystery.
because the Eucharist contains the complete humanity of Christ, his body, blood, and soul, that means his sacred heart, which is the perfect symbol of his love for us, is present in the Eucharist. And this is precisely why this coming Friday, the Friday after the Feast of Corpus Christi, the Church celebrates the Feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus present in the Eucharist. And here I'll quote another theologian, whom I hope is a saint in heaven, who wrote an article about 10 years ago on this topic. His name is Father Ben Rees. He wrote these words, if the sacrifice of Calvary and the sacrifice of the Mass are one and the same sacrifice, differing only in the manner of offering, then the Sacred Heart of Christ, pierced for our salvation on Calvary, is also present in the sacrifice of the Mass. Hence, when we gaze upon the crucifix during the Mass, we should also focus on our Lord's pierced heart as the symbol of the depths of his love. Yes, let us strive to focus our minds and hearts at this Mass, at every Mass, on our Lord's pierced heart in the Eucharist, the great symbol par excellence of his love for us, and ask that by receiving this most precious body and blood of Holy Communion, we may learn to love God and neighbor as he commanded us. I'll end with some words of St. Thomas Aquinas, who wrote our, the great Eucharistic hymns we sing uh, for the Feast of Corpus Christi. One of them was Verbum Superum Prodiens, the, the word coming forth from above. The word of God from heaven came, but did not leave the Father's side, fulfilled his mission here on earth, and for mankind was crucified. The very night before he died, and to his passion he was led, he gave his disciples' life, his own true self, in form of bread. His body and his precious blood he offered under either kind, and in the fullness of his love, gave food of life to all mankind. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.